0: In the Milestone 75th episode of The Byword, Dave and I will be covering all the big reveals and, let's be honest, the navel-gazing that was DC FanDome 2021. So grab your batarangs and your elusive golden boots, because The Byword begins now. Hey there, nerds. Welcome into the 75th episode to, of the Nerd ByWord podcast. The podcast that thoroughly enjoys dunking on the great American disappointment that is Dean Kane. We have a very special ByWord Big Talk planned for you today as we will dive deep into the depths below and dig out our takes on all the big reveals that came out of DC Fandom 2021. But first, I do believe it's time for... Dave the Kamala Hive is losing their collective mind, eh?
1: Yeah, and I'm in that hive and I am losing my mind. I I don't know what to tell you, man. Like I am so upset and disappointed a little bit about the continuous, you know, trickling reveals that we're getting of the Miss Marvel Disney Plus television show. You know, all the early news looked really promising. You know, the people working behind the scenes, the casting, you know, lots of talk about, you know, trying to uh, capture the cultural relevance of the comic book, you know, with with Kamala Khan, of course, being a Muslim superhero. Uh, All of those things looked really good. The early set photos that leaked of the costume, you know, spot on stuff. Very, very, very exciting. And then, you know, discontent in the fandom, you know, rumors started uh, swirling around that they were altering Kamala Khan's powers for this TV show. And lo and behold, we now have, uh, thanks to Pyramid International, a brand new promotional image that sees Kamala Khan showing off her powers. And I'm going to be honest with you, based on this image, and I'm looking at it right now, it looks more like uh, something like Green Lantern powers. You know, she's making this giant fist out of energy. It looks like that has sort of these crystalline properties. Um, so it's not green lantern, but it's certainly lantern like, and I find that, you know, disappointing if that's really just, you know, the, the way they decide to go, because there were so many interesting things that the comic book series has done, um, with her powers, which, you know, to be fair, are a little bit more, um, like Mr. Fantastic, not, The same, though, and I think that's a mistake that the MCU is making here. They think that Kamala Khan's powers are stretchy powers, and they want to keep Mr. Fantastic visually um, distinct. But Kamala Khan's powers aren't so much stretchy. They're more um, mass-altering. You know, like she can that her, this is her slogan. Embiggen, like she can grow really large. She can enlarge certain parts of her body. It's really more about, you know, her mass and how she changes that. And and visually, that is so distinct in her own series. But more than that, there are things within the series that rely on these powers that are so, um, integral to the character Uh, to give you an early example for those of you that have not read uh miss marvel series and i highly recommend that it's one of my favorite things that marvel has produced um early on when she first gets her powers she uses her powers literally to to morph into um the carol danvers version of miss marvel blonde hair and all and there is this moment where she kind of comes to a a self-acceptance and she realizes in order to be a hero and in order to follow in the footsteps of her idol she doesn't need to be a blonde white woman and i think that is that is so relevant in today's time and you're not going to be able to get a moment like that when she's making giant energy fists instead so You know, based on the promotional image, there's that. There's been additional rumors floating around that they're going to, you know, make her powers wish-based, something about a genie. I don't know about all that. What I do know is looking at the promotional art, uh, I'm I'm very disappointed with how they are representing her powers. I'm hoping that this is a fake-out of some kind, but I'm starting to think uh, the MCU has made significant changes to a character that really didn't need significant changes in adaptation, Chris.
0: yeah so um and i i want to further underline this this has not been officially released by marvel or anything so here's my hope um i hope that they see this outrage and you know they make the necessary corrections because um i've seen precious few people who like are exercising you know restraint or caution or whatever because the majority of reactions that i've seen are are in line with yours and. I'm I'm not as well steeped in the Kamala mythos as you are, but I, I know enough due to her interactions with my one of my favorites, Miles Morales, um, to to kind of get the gist of it. Um, also, one of the strengths of the Avengers video game uh, was her solo campaign story. Um, so, I I really hope that you know they and and even with like official marvel stuff i mean like think i always think back to hulk and wakanda like that that kind of bait and switch deep fake that we got so even in re- officially released stuff um they've kind of pulled the wool over our eyes and stuff so uh, here's hoping that uh this is just uh, a bunch of sound and fury in the end signifying nothing
1: yeah but you know <laughs> I will say in a lot of the officially released stuff when they try to pull the wool over her eyes like you know the shot of the the Hulk running in the battle in in um I was it Endgame uh they they kind of altered the the footage in the trailer because they you know were trying to protect spoilers I cannot imagine what what you know this what the purpose would be of releasing you know promotional images that alter you know her powers uh, right. it's it, does, it doesn't seem like there's a, a spoiler protective purpose to this. And look, I will say, it's not like the MCU hasn't made significant changes to characters, you know. Um, and in some cases, those were thoroughly needed. I'm looking at Yu Shang-Chi. Um, you know, there there's some stuff in the comic books, especially the older comic books, that we did not need. So, you know, streamlining that and moving it closer to the modern iteration of the character was definitely smart. You know that being said, Miss Marvel doesn't have this lengthy, you know, history that needs to be corrected. She's a very you know new character in the grand scheme of things, and I don't see anything horribly problematic, including her powers, that needs to be corrected. So I, I don't quite see the motivation for this one, Chris.
0: Yeah, I also my my other take on this is that this is. If if this does in turn uh, indeed turn out to be the case, this is um, catering to the masses and the general pop audiences, and losing kind of um, like an indescribable essence of the character. Um, I think personally, to like the Medea um, plays, um, I was a big fan of the Tyler play, uh, Tyler Perry Medea plays, and then when they kind of went Hollywood, so to speak, and they became films, they kind of lost that. Indescribable essence of what made them stand out, and so when they went Hollywood and they kind of um, went for the bigger draw, the general audience, it kind of lost a little bit of the magic. And I hope that's not the case here.
1: Yeah, I, I have really still high hopes for the show, even if the powers are not, you know, correct. That maybe they capture what makes her such a fantastic character. Yeah, for sure. All right, Chris. We have some news to share as well. What have you got?
0: Um, So it looks like Hayden Christensen is going to be reprising the role of Anakin Skywalker, AKA Darth Vader in another Disney plus series, not just uh, Kenobi, but also now Ahsoka. This is according to uh, multiple sources that told the Hollywood reporter. Um, A lot of the stuff that is coming out about this series is still kind of Uh, under wraps not a lot being revealed but um the titular star rosario dawson herself said on instagram quote sky guy they know see you soon snips so i'm all the more excited about this series i mean ahsoka i've made no secret is my absolute favorite star wars character ever um and so I'm just super stoked for this. I think, you know, we were, we talked about this extensively when we fixed the prequels. Um, a lot of people want to lay a lot of blame at Hayden Christensen's feet with those films. But I don't, I, I don't want to speak for you, Dave, but I don't think coming out of the conversation of those three films, um, well, the two that he was in, that that was our feeling. Uh, it was mostly the blame was laid, um, at least in our, our view on the writing and the script. Um, And and I'm excited to see um, what Hayden Christensen can do in both of these series with some strong writing and some strong creative uh, minds kind of uh, behind the scenes here and what he can do with some good ingredients.
1: Yeah, I hope in a lot of ways that this is the redemption story of Star Wars that we've been waiting for, because Hayden Christensen caught a lot of crap for his portrayal of Anakin Skywalker, and I don't think that that necessarily lands squarely in his um in his lap. Um, you know, legend has it that on the um on the set of I think Empire Strikes Back, uh, Harrison Ford once said to George Lucas, um, you can write this but you sure can't say it. Um, And and I think that really applies very strongly um, to the prequels. So much of the dialogue is just so, you know, stilted and wooden and oddly written that ultimately I don't know how an actor could have delivered some of Anakin's lines in a believable way. It also doesn't help that, uh, by all accounts, George Lucas is not really a actor's director. Um, He's very much into the technical stuff. Uh, And so from, you know, various interviews and stuff I've read, he doesn't really focus too much on the actors or giving actors notes and trying to get the best out of them. And so I think that kind of shows through, Uh, you know, Hayden was a young actor at the time. You know, he he probably needed a good director to really direct him. Um, and then you have, you know, our our good friend Obi-Wan Kenobi, which, you know, was just, you know, we had a much better, uh, not better, but more seasoned actor, I guess, who probably could right. iron over some of the stuff without needing uh, a strong director for actors. So, you know, this this, I think would be very welcome in the fandom if he has this great return to the franchise and sort of redeems himself a little bit. Um, I'm looking forward to what what they do with him in Kenobi. I'm also very much looking forward to to what they're doing with him in the Ahsoka series because from my understanding, this takes place after Return of the Jedi, which means he's, he's dead. So either we're getting flashbacks or we're getting Force Ghost Anakin, Talking to her, which would be fascinating, uh, and and could and put some interesting closure on that relationship. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited as well. And I think I've detailed this on the show before, but in in another podcast, I I did a deep dive listen on um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, which George Lucas famously collaborated with. Uh, bestie Steven Spielberg and hearing some of like the initial thoughts um, it, it's just my biggest takeaway is George Lucas is very macro big ideas and then when it comes down to the micro the the minute details that's where he struggles so to speak um, and so it took Spielberg kind of taking over the reins of, of the micro details like I think Marion for example was going to be like very, very young. And that was a very uncomfortable thing. And so Spielberg had to step in and say, hey, this is not, this is not what you want to do. Um, and, and that kind of makes sense when you think about the relationship of Anakin and Padme. Um, so uh, it's it's really interesting to take all of that into consideration. So I, I am very, very excited to see where we go from here. And I didn't know that detail about the after Return of the Jedi. Um, so that is all the more exciting for me.
1: Well, well, it is it is rumored at this time because her appearance uh, in the Mandalorian was very much after Return of the Jedi, and the indication seems to be that she is uh, they're going to continue that thread of her looking for uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn. So, if that's the case, then it would have to be set post Return of the Jedi.
0: All right, all the more reason to be excited. That wraps up Nerd News for this week. When we come back from this, our first break, we're going to hit you with the ByWord Big Talk as we talk uh, everything that came out of DC Fandom. Stick around. Welcome to Go Float Yourself, a podcast about the television show The 100.
1: We're a brother-sister team here to celebrate the good and roast the bad on one of our favorite sci-fi teen space dramas.
0: Come for the story and the drama. Stay for the funny nicknames, the pet conclaves on our Instagram, and of course, the hauntings.
1: Oh yeah, did I mention I'm a literal
0: ghost haunting the pod? That's canon. Find us at Go Float Yourself on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back for this week's. Big talk. And it's been a couple of weeks, some time to set in and season. So not an instant reaction, a let it sit in and settle reaction to DC Fandom Twenty Twenty One. So Dave and I, we're gonna. There's a lot to talk about. It was several hours worth of streaming and content so we're just going to go line by line of the itemized list that dc has listed on their blog here and if we have a reaction to it we'll go if it's a show we're not watching or something that doesn't really apply we'll just uh swat it and move on first and foremost they led off with something that's been long anticipated dave the first look first footage from uh the rock dwayne johnson's black adam what are your thoughts on that
1: I- i'm gonna go against the grain here and say meh like I know, you know, people would think I'm naturally excited for this kind of thing. I'm a big fan of Captain Marvel, uh, or as he's known these days, Shazam, and his world. And I have been steeped in in DC lore for most of my life, it seems. But I'm always kind of weary of them kind of taking a villain and divorcing him from the hero. I think that's one of the problems that we ended up, one of the many problems, with the current Venom movies. When you take Spider-Man out of the equation, you are missing an essential ingredient in that story. Um, and I think the same thing applies here. I, I'm always excited see, to see Dwayne Rock" Johnson up on the big screen because I'm a fan of his going back to his wrestling days. And there is something to be said for the excitement of seeing some Justice Society characters on the big screen. I have high hopes for that. But the sneak peek given didn't really particularly excite me. I wished I would have seen something of the Justice Society characters. And ultimately, I wish they would at least start hinting at the idea that Black Adam is going to show up, uh, you know, in a Shazam movie and, and kind of kindle that rivalry, which really is es- essential to both of those characters. So once again, we see, you know, this like we we want to take a villain and spin him off as an anti-hero. And and i'm just i'm not a big fan of that Chris maybe that's the problem
0: yeah i'm 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 much inclined to agree with you there um what you said the laundry list of problems of of the venom films uh the first one was okay the second one i no comment um yeah i am I'm super excited for this if for no other reason like the anticipation has just like set in so much we've been hearing about this film for so long and to finally get something a a breadcrumb uh was was a, a bit satisfying but yeah i think i think a lot is lost if you don't have that juxtaposition i mean like that's a central thing of the characters both venom and black adam so um as a big fan of you know history and mythology, I'm excited to to finally see this here. I'm excited to see Doctor Fate on the screen for Pete's sake. Um, yeah, I just I just want some more at this point. But um, if if all goes well, we're looking at uh, the film releasing next year in July. Yeah. All right, Dave. Um I guess the biggest thing to come out of Grant Gustin, who bless his heart looks so tired uh when he was making this announcement, but we're getting Golden Boots. Is anything there?
1: Okay, look, I'm going I'm just going to talk about the Flash series for a second. I love the early seasons of the Flash series. I love Grant Gustin's pr- portrayal of Barry. Uh you know, um what I don't like is when um, TV shows and movies uh Act as if uh, a hero needs to earn the comic book suit over, you know, multiple movies or seasons. Uh, I think we're, what, now in season eight of The Flash. And uh, and now they're like, ooh, we're, we're tweaking the suit to make it more comic book accurate. And I'm like, could you not have led with that in season oh, yeah. one? Why do we need eight seasons to get golden boots on The Flash? Uh, you know... It, if that's the biggest news that you can produce for your TV show, maybe it's time to either reevaluate and do some stuff to refresh <laughs> the show or put it out of its misery. I would have, you know, been more excited if they would have announced, you know, significant changes in the writers' room to get some fresh ideas onto that show because it has been a little stagnant to say the least. But yeah, well, you know, what a news item. We're getting golden boots on the flash. Congratulations, <laughs> I guess.
0: Yeah, I checked out after season two, I watched the first couple of episodes of season three, and he just kept screwing up the timeline. And I, I checked out completely. But Golden Boots, man.
1: I mean, you know, it's 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 very much something for the foot fetishists, I guess.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, now, uh, something I'm very excited about, but we didn't get a whole lot. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Um so we got a couple of behind the scenes things with Jason Momoa I was excited to see the new uh, Black Manta uh, costume I'm excited that he's in the film because that was one of my big uh, one of my favorite things about the first film uh, and then we also um, got a, a special look at Aquaman King of Atlantis which is a, a three-part animated series that is on HBO max you can watch the first episode right now anything under the sea for you Dave?
1: Well, you know, I mean, it's it's a James Wan directed project, and I'm a big fan of his, you know, as you already know, going to his horror movies. And I really, really like the first Aquaman movie and what it did. I do think that the biggest problem of that movie was how it kind of dispatched of black man to halfway through and didn't have room for him in the finale of the movie. Um, he just kind of vanished from the story. So I'm glad that he's back. I really like the the suit it's very comic book accurate which you know when people say big clamshell head like that wouldn't work on the big screen i guess it would um so i'm really really excited for that and i'm just excited for the movie in general you know the the creative team behind it is good the acting in the first one was good they have a, a nice interpretation of aquaman that i really appreciate so I, I'm i'm really there for this chris
0: all right, now we roll on to probably one of my favorite reveals uh, or events of the day, um, and that is uh, Milestone Media. So we had a, an extensive sit-down conversation um, with host Echo Kellum, with uh, Dennis Cowan and Reggie Hudlin about um, the state of DC's Milestone Initiative, uh, which is a program uh, with with Ally, and they are looking to encourage, you know, comic book artists, writers, editors of color um and, and kind of kind of get a, a hand up in in creating comics so that's really fascinating. Also um we're getting new seasons for uh Static, Hardware and Icon and Rocket. Um and the one that was very very anticipated, uh Blood Syndicate comic book is coming back. Um so, Dave, you uh, previously told me all about Milestone, and it is definitely on my to-read list.
1: Yeah, I'm, I think the most exciting stuff to come out of this, besides the the, the comic book stuff and seeing that you know um, that they're going to continue to try to put out stuff, um, and preferably, you know, with with people of color in the creative team, is uh, for me a that they're going to make a new quote unquote season for Static. I think Static was. Uh, one of the better animated series to run during its time. And I really, really enjoyed it. And this this 1300 page soft cover compendium that they're going to put out collecting classic milestone runs of static icon, hardware, and more that compendium, I think is going to be sorely needed because uh, I think a milestone has kind of fallen off the radar for some comic book fans and putting some of those classic stories back in the print and back into people's hands uh, is going to be you know extremely essential for the future success of the imprint. I will say a thirteen hundred page softcover compendium is all nice and dandy. I'm pretty sure that sucker is going to run 50, 60 bucks at, at the least. I wished they would rather reprint these you know cheaper um, so they can get them into more people's hands, not just yeah. you know you know current dedicated fans, but also people who you know just are looking for more books with leads that that you know are People of color. I think a, a cheaper approach would give them more bang for their buck in promoting the new uh, Milestone Initiative. But just the fact that Milestone is making this kind of comeback is a huge positive in my book.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of those are being uploaded um, digitally to um, DC Universe Infinite. So if you're just wanting to read the stories, um, I would definitely check out that service. Absolutely. All right, next up, um, I have some complex feelings on this one, and I know that you have a big issue with it, Dave, but we got some more game footage, um, or not necessarily gameplay footage, but but uh, cinematic footage of Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, which the title alone is, oh boy.
1: I'm just going to say it, I am sick of evil Superman, get out of here with that crap, uh, you know, this is, it's, it's the tropiest of tropes. People who don't know how to you know, write Superman, just go ahead and say, okay, I'm going to do a story where he turns bad. You know what? How about you go back to writing school and figure out how to write Superman? It's not exactly rocket surgery. Um, that rant being said, um, my problem with this game, as good as it looks and as fun as the gameplay looks and all is, is writing the title, kill the Justice League. I don't want to kill the Justice League. <laughs> Like, like that, that it's, it's really that simple for me, Chris. I just, I don't want to kill the justice league. I have no urge to kill any of those heroes. Well, how Jordan, maybe, I mean, he's real. no, I'm, I'm kidding. Just, no, no. <laughs> but really, I just, I, I, I don't like the basic premise of it, I guess.
0: Yeah. And, and the first time you bring Jon Stewart in narratively, we're killing him. Like what the crap? Of all the times, I saw someone said, "Of all the times to stick with Hal Jordan."
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's not, you know, he's he's kind of a stick in the mud among the Green Lanterns, I would say. But yeah, you know, is, does this look perfectly crafted? Absolutely. Will the gameplay be a crap ton of fun? Well, most likely, it's rock steady after all. But is this really what I'm looking for in a superhero based video game? Evil Superman and Suicide Squad trying to kill Justice League members not really. It's just not my cup of tea for those who are, who are into it, you know, more power to you. Uh, but, but much like Zack Snyder's justice league, I'm just going to have to say hard pass.
0: All right. Next up, um, coming out of the suicide squad, we had a big panel discussion with the stars and crew between, uh, a, a peacemaker, the upcoming series for HBO max with director James Gunn, And series stars John Cena as Peacemaker, Daniel Brooks as Adebayo, Freddie Stroma as Vigilante, Jennifer Holland as Harcourt, Steve Agee as Economos, Chikwudi Iwuji as Myrn, and Robert Patrick as Augie Smith. And we also got, again, like I said, our first look uh, kind of trailer, I guess, uh, including a sure-to-be new favorite uh, character, Eagley. Dave, what are your thoughts on this?
1: Ah, Eagly. Eagley. You did steal the show, didn't you? Look, you know, of all the things that to come out of the suicide squad, uh, the one thing I didn't think that I would want is a peacemaker show. I mean, there were plenty of characters on there that I wanted more of, but peacemaker, uh, and, and I said this in our review, um, is the one character in the whole movie besides maybe Amanda Waller that shows absolutely no redeeming qualities. You know, he never has a moment of, of humanity. Um, so maybe the, the TV show will will fix that, will rectify that. But, you know, it's not the character that I would have preferred to see uh, spun off into a, a show. That being said, the trailer looked like a lot of fun, and I'm definitely going to check it out.
0: Yeah, I have a lot of the same feelings. Uh, it's the, the one character that I would been like, meh about having their own series. Like, give me a Bloodsport solo, uh, give me a Ratcatcher 2 solo, or uh uh, a King shark series. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I I'm yet to be won over by this. Uh, the trailer was okay for me. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested to see more.
1: Yeah. I I, I think that's what it is. Uh, we're going to have to sit down and watch that first episode to kind of get a full, a full yeah. picture of it.
0: All right. So next up we have uh, a, a little bit of, of Superman stuff. Um, you know, coming kind of zooming out, there wasn't a whole lot of super things with this. We had um, a 20 year reunion from Smallville. We had um, a first look at um, this new, is, is this a, a book series with um, Superman and Lois? Uh, it looks kind of like anime vibes. And now then, that's a
1: new cartoon series. Yeah. A new cartoon. Adventures with you. Superman. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and then um probably the biggest thing to come out of this, the most newsworthy, if you will, is Spider uh, Spider-Man. Superman's official um you know mission statement is Truth, Justice and a Better Tomorrow, and that made the right-wing idiots uh lose their britches. So Dave, what is your uh overall, I guess, of all this soups news?
1: Oh yeah, so so looking back at some of the stuff that they talked about Um, You know, having a look at Superman and Lois and the Kent farm, that was cute. Um, Looking back on Supergirl, I kind of dropped out of that show after a while, although I really did enjoy, you know, the first couple of seasons of it. Um, But that show is coming to an end, so I I understand why they took some time to say goodbye to it. I'm really psyched for my adventures with Superman. I think that that whole thing looks like it could be a lot of fun. Uh, I like the designs. It has a little bit of touch of an anime thing. Uh, And it really looks to have, you know, a strong, powerful Lois at the center of it, which, you know, that's how I like my Lois Lane, a force of nature after all. Um, The the retrospective of Smallville was fun to me because I watched that show religiously when it was on TV. It was about the only Superman we got during that time, Uh, even though, you know, it was mostly just Clark Kent moping. Um, There there were some fun episodes in there and a really cool interpretation of Green Arrow, I will freely admit. Um, So... To, to me uh the most exciting thing that they've announced probably is my adventures with superman uh i'm really excited to watch that animated series now as far as the truth justice and a better tomorrow thing for a, an extensive um you know take on that please feel free to visit my uh my twitter account at that nerd dave where i had a um a kerfuffle with former superman actor <laughs> dean kane um and i ended up kind of dissecting um a op ed he wrote about this change over the course of like 25 tweets highly recommend it i think you'll enjoy it but really what it comes down to is that there is no no real problem with truth justice and a better tomorrow um i think in this day and age defining the american way is extremely difficult um I guess that's the best way to put it. Uh, if you go back to what is it, the forties or fifties, when they really started using "truth, justice, and the American way," we're talking about you know a time period where we, we were just out of World War Two, um, and we're into the Cold War, and there is a strong juxtaposition between you know the American way and the Soviet way. So there is some historical context, um, and so I think the character kind of aged out of that particular slogan. Um, because I guess the best way to put it is the things that, that used to define the American way, you know, freedom, democracy, that sort of thing, um, are much more common in the, in the, particularly in the developed world today than they used to be. It's hard to look at, you know, Europe, for example, and say that they don't have democracy or freedom, um, Whereas if you go back, you know, a couple of decades, two, three decades, you, you end up with stuff like the Berlin Wall, you, you know, end up with stuff with with the Soviet bloc. So there have been significant changes. And so the American way doesn't really juxtapose Superman anymore, as well as I guess it used to. So truth, justice and a better tomorrow is actually a really good slogan for, you know, the 2020s. and And I'm perfectly fine with that.
0: Yeah, it just it, it, it makes so much sense. I mean, having him be an exclusively uh American hero is not only a misnomer, but it's so incredibly limiting. I mean, uh correct me if I'm wrong, he saves people around the world, not just in America. He's literally from another planet, although he was adopted and uh, you know, in in the American mindset, heartland USA, but i mean it 's it 's just like like we said before, like a bunch of sound and fury signifying nothing it 's just dude,
1: he rebuilt the Great Wall of China with his eye beams in Superman Three of course he 's a global hero
0: and not to say that i 'm in defense of Dean Kane, but to keep it all one hundred, as the kiddies say. Uh, He hasn't studied for the role of Superman in over 25 years, so he's not really up to date on his snuff, Um, while he does study for his role on Fox and Friends on at least a weekly basis, so there is that. Um,
1: Oh, shots fired.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, yeah, not necessarily up to date on this information, and just as the Tomorrow Man, I mean, come on, it's right there. It's right there. All right, now to... um, switch to the animal kingdom dc's league of super pets um we are looking for a full trailer in november and it is a big screen animation um feature so uh the movie features a voice cast of dwayne the rock johnson kevin hart who just are completely inseparable it would appear uh vanessa bayer john krasinski diego luna natasha leone kate mckinnon and keanu reeves so um This looks like a family-friendly kind of uh, DC mashup, and I'm super excited about this one.
1: They've done, you know, this kind of thing before. I mean, we had a Crypto, the the Superdog animated series. There have been... Um, Super Pets um, comic books in the past. I, I think it's interesting that they decided to go all in and actually make this a a big screen adaptation rather than you know something for HBO Max. They must really feel like they've got something here, and I am uh, I'm pretty excited to see what they do with this.
0: Yeah, and that will hit big screens uh, May twentieth of next year. Um, so then we hit. Um... A little bit of a show that, admittedly, I I am ashamed to say that I have not dove all the way into yet, uh, Doom Patrol. Um, And everything that I've seen from it, it looks like it's right up my alley. So then we got um, just kind of a mid-season trailer and um, some some conversation with the cast. Anything to say about Doom Patrol, Dave? I'm, I'm grasping for straws here.
1: Watch it. I mean that's really all I can say. I think the show has been renewed for season four, and I, I, mean, I think watching this show is the closest thing a straight arrow like me will ever get to sitting around with Grant Morrison and doing drugs. That's what this show feels <laughs> like. It's like it's like feels like ninety percent from the mind of you know Grant Morrison, and ten percent drug induced fever dream. I mean. You know, it just, it is such a unique show. It's one of the most interesting and unique takes on superheroes currently being produced. And anybody who's not watching it needs to wake up and needs to watch this show.
0: Oh man, it's always been, I mean, it's literally added to my list on HBO Max and everything. I just have so much content right now, but uh, this might move to the top of the list because everything I've heard is right in line with what you're saying.
1: Oh, it is the craziest stuff on TV. It is so bizarre and out there, never boring, always entertaining.
0: Alright, so much ado about nothing seems to be the theme today, but Dave, we got our first look at Ezra Miller's The Flash.
1: <laughs> man, I I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like, I looked at the footage, and okay, what you're really doing with this footage is you're not telling me anything about the Flash, except for apparently there's two versions of him in this one. Um, You redesigned his suit, which looks a little better, but the cow looks booty. I don't know what's going on there. It looks like some kind of weird <laughs> Lego helmet stuck <laughs> over his face.
0: I, I, I'm still stuck on the golden boot, so I was like, does he mean boot-like or like butthole? <laughs>
1: No, it's it's boot, booty, not golden boots. I can I can assure you, it's more cheeky than that. It's like really bulky. It looks like you know the kind of the kind of helmet you would put on like a Lego figure or something. I don't know how they couldn't figure that one out. Considering, hey, you know, the TV show suits cow looks significantly better. But the the biggest problem I'm just seeing is that it, it all the teases and everything were really towards. Michael Keaton's Batman returning and and not really anything with the Flash and that is of course my my ultimate problem with this movie is I want a Flash movie and I'm not sure if this is going to be that um so you know meh
0: yeah it was underwhelming to me as well I was excited to see even for a snap second Sasha Calle's Supergirl Um, But then, you know, in a movie that's supposed to be teasing about the multiverse and multiple versions of multiple characters, um, we got one, but not one, but two Ezra Millers like, uh, okay, (laughs) so it was it was highly underwhelming. And then the whole big thing, they really are milking this for all of it. So like the whole just the the Keaton from behind and then not even revealing him. It It was okay, buddy.
1: Look, I mean, in Justice League One, Ezra Miller was about half of an Ezra Miller, to, Miller too many already. I don't yeah. know how I'm going to do with two. I mean, that exceeds my quota wow. by about 1.5 Ezra Millers, but they which gave apparently is now a scientific measurement, you know. So,
0: but they gave him a bad wig, so maybe. Uh,
1: <laughs> oh yeah that 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 is going to make all the difference in his portrayal of Barry Allen. A wig. I'm I'm excited now.
0: Jesse Eisenberg sends his regards.
1: Oh, good golly! Uh, maybe that. Maybe they just dyed that wig and put it on him. Maybe that's like yeah. the same wig. That wig is getting more traction than than Henry Cavill's Superman right now. <laughs>
0: Um I'll never forget what you said when BVS came out and uh kindest regards and uh, memoriams to the poor animal that gave its life for that hairpiece. <laughs> <laughs> it
1: just it, it did look like some dead animal sprawled across his head. It's just it's just not it's not okay. It just was not okay.
0: All right oh, man. now, into something that in contrast I'm very excited about Sandman. Uh, we got our first look of Gwendolyn Christie as Lucifer Morningstar and holy lord, I cannot be more excited about this project, Dave. I mean, you're a big Neil Gaiman head. Just just go, just go off.
1: Oh, I'm 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 ready, dude. I am so ready for this. Everything that Neil Gaiman has said on social media about what they're doing behind the scenes, this, the set visit that we had a few months back where he kind of walked around the set, now this re- reveal of Gwendolyn Christie. Dude, it, it's Vertigo. It's Neil Gaiman. It's Sandman. We are getting a live-action adaptation of Sandman. My mind is blown in about 40 different ways, and I am so hyped for this. This is, this is bigger than anything that they're slapping on the big screen to me. Anytime that we get a Vertigo adaptation, especially one that is fully supported by the original creators and, and looks to really try to capture the essence of the property, man, I'm all there for this. Let's just say that this is not going to be Why the Last Man, which was a really lackluster adaptation and rightfully was canceled after one season. This looks like it's going to be the real deal, and I'm so here for it.
0: Oh, I meant to get your thoughts on that. See, I, I'm still in the first, like, five or six issues, and then I was surprised to see that. So it was underwhelming.
1: Yeah, I read the comic book. <laughs> I, that's, that's the best thing I can tell you. As, as in so many cases, the source material uh, far exceeds uh, the, uh, you know, interpretation.
0: Yeah, so as as far as Sandman goes, super excited about that, and I cannot wait for this.
1: Yeah, it looks amazing.
0: All right, so... One of the funniest things about DC Fandom is that um, the much maligned new dig- or, uh, animation film, Injustice, uh, they force us to watch extensive clips from this, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was not great.
1: Yeah, you know what? I just said it. I'll say it again. I am sick and tired of evil Superman. Tired of it. No thank you.
0: That's it, that's all, um uh, now, another one that I'm super I feel like I feel like uh, like a seismograph here because I'm super excited again. We finally got um the first look um an interview with Shelo Maridueña for Blue Beetle and Jaime Reyes like it's a perfect casting. I cannot wait for this, and we got the first look at the suit. it looks freaking amazeballs, balls, Dave. I cannot wait for Blue Beetle.
1: Yeah, they definitely seem to have captured the essence of Blue Beetle in their visual design of the suit. The casting is spot on. Uh, The only sin that this movie is definitely guilty of is why in the world is this an HBO Max thing? Why is this not going to be on the big screen? I I do not understand this. Blue Beetle has, uh, uh, the Jaime Reyes version of Blue Beetle, let me correct myself, has developed a high enough profile... Through, you know, p- appearances in animated shows and the like, uh, an appearance on Smallville back in the day. I mean, the character has popped up in enough places that people have an awareness of him that probably exceeds a lot of other um comic book heroes and so if they go ahead and slap the sucker on the big screen i think they could have serious success with this you know the the original run of the blue beetle comic i always likened to dc's version of ultimate spider-man there's no reason that you know dc couldn't have spider-man like success on the big screen why are you popping this on a streaming service it's just unforgivable
0: yeah All right, next up, coming out of the popularity of the character from DC's Festival of Heroes, um, The Monkey Prince is getting its own 12-issue comic book series from writer Jean-Lynn Young and Bernard Chang. Dave, do you have any familiarity with The Monkey Prince?
1: I do not, um, although I have to say the art has really got me intrigued. Just looking at the preview image here, um, I I need to check this sucker out. Did you read uh, The Monkey
0: Prince at all? I did not, but I'm intrigued as well.
1: Yeah, I think there might be something here. Of course, it, you know, it blows my mind that we have a Monkey Prince 12 issue series, but there are so many DC heroes that we can't get featured in a comic book. I mean, it's just, I don't know, man, like Hawkman? Anybody? Hawkman?
0: <laughs> yeah, question? I will say, Anybody? I will say that, uh, I will say that Jean Luen Yang, uh, is writing the current Shang-Chi series and, um uh, we read that for Hashtag Drunk Pete, the first issue, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. So um, they're writing this series as well. So I'm definitely I'm definitely going to check it out.
1: Oh, just a fantastic writer. So hey, you, you sold me now. Now I'm definitely checking it out.
0: All right, next up, something that I am super excited for as well. Uh, the Court of Owls is going to be making its appearance in the video game verse in Gotham Knights. What do you think about this, Dave?
1: Yeah, you know, Gotham Knights is one of those <clears throat> one of those things I'm actually pretty excited about. You know, I like the idea of uh having sort of a Batman family um video game that, you know, takes the spotlight off of Batman and goes towards sort of the the, the you know, more secondary characters that are in his orbit. I think that's one of the big um mistakes that cinematic Batman keep making in in that we never get, you know, a Robin a batgirl really uh the 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 batman world never really extends the way it has in the comics and although you know loner batman stories are good there is a lot of fun to be had in looking at his relationships with these various extended characters so yeah i mean you know you're giving me a a game where i can play as nightwing or batgirl and i am i'm very very interested in this um now the court of owls is of course very interesting it was it was you know very well executed back when it first debuted by um, um, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Um, I do think uh, we don't need the Court of Owls and everything. So I hope that they don't go this this route of the Joker and try to slap the Court of Owls and everything and overexpose that concept. But um, as it looks right now, I'm kind of into it.
0: All right, next up, uh, a property that is hotly contested with the back-and-forth he-said, she-said, she-said, he-said with Ruby Rose and the current cast of Batwoman. Uh, this show is returning for its third season. Um, anything anything to comment on Batwoman, Dave?
1: I am going to freely admit that I fell off the wagon during Season 2. Um there is absolutely uh, nothing wrong with the new Batwoman. Um, I don't think the writing has been there for me to really captivate me. I was also really weirded out that they ended up um, recasting Ruby Rose's character after all, when you know they decided initially that they wouldn't do that. And they did, guess what, some face altering stuff, which is what I suggested to begin with. Um, I'm just a big fan of Kate Kane as a character. And seeing Batwoman basically without Kate Kane, especially when they're trying desperately to keep her twin sister, the villainous Alice, in the mix, you know, which I don't think quite works because she doesn't have that relationship with Batwoman. There isn't that dynamic of the twin sisters, one good, one evil, you know, and trying to save the villainous one. All of that stuff has just kind of gone out of the window. So I feel like a lot of the complexity has left the show. Now, they might be be, uh, turning things around, and it might have improved a lot um, since I tuned out, Um, but I'm just not really up-to-date enough uh, on the show to speak much of it.
0: Okay, Dave, this was one of the unexpected exciting things. Um, I'm a huge Elizabeth Gillies fan, and she is going to be voicing Selina Kyle herself in Catwoman Hunted, it's just coming out February the 8th, 2022. The trailer we got from this was incredible, and I can't be more excited about this one.
1: Yeah, this looks really, really, really good and came out of nowhere. And the most exciting thing, of course, about you know the design of Catwoman in this, in this particular animated movie is that she doesn't have underarm holes in her suit, which I really appreciate given the current design in the comic books. I still don't know what the reason is for underarm holes in a suit for a cat burglar. I don't know. Is any people into underarms or something? I really don't get it. But yeah, uh, seeing, you know, Kate Kane Batwoman in this looks really exciting. And yeah, just that they're willing to give, you know, Catwoman the spotlight and sort of her own story like that is just really, really cool. And I'm I'm, I'm here for this.
0: All right, then we went on to DC's Legends of Tomorrow, and they, which is coming back for its seventh season, or just kicked off its seventh season, and they gave us a hundred episodes in a hundred seconds. Are you watching this one at all, Dave?
1: I've kind of fallen off the wagon of this one too, but I will freely admit this is the go- this is the goofy, fun, easygoing TV show. If you want to, you know, just in- engage in some odd superhero time travel shenanigans, um, I've had a shocking amount of fun with this show, considering how poorly it started out. I think the first season was really rough, but when they decided to just say, okay, we're just going to throw everything against the wall, we're going to get goofy, we're just going to have fun with this, we're not going to take ourselves seriously, I think the show really started shining. And the fact that they're actually hitting uh, a seventh season, they're going to have 100 episodes, really blows my mind, all things considered, because that first season was not good and it was not well received by fans so uh you know kudos to legends of tomorrow for for you know finding their niche finding their tone and continuing to entertain
0: all right next up we've got batman unburied uh which is an original narrative podcast executive produced by david s goyer and is coming next year to spotify uh it will star gina rodriguez as barbara gordon Uh, Will Also feature Sam Witwer, who's an amazing voice actor, um, as the serial killer, the harvester, Emmy, uh, Lampman as Kel and Jessica Marie Garcia as Renee Montoya and Jim Peary as Arnold Flass. Any thoughts on this one, Dave?
1: Well, first, you know, you said Renee Montoya, which is like one of my all time favorite characters, especially, um, when, uh. You know, she uh, became the question in the comic books. It's just one of my all-time favorite characters. I love Renee Montoya. Um, You said narrative podcast, and I love me some podcasts, as you can tell because of what I'm doing right now. (laughs) I don't don't appreciate the competition, Batman, but I think I'm definitely going to check this one out. It sounds like something I'll put on in the car ride to work every morning.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, And then we had... um... Batgirl actress Leslie Grace, and kind of like this conversation. There wasn't a whole lot revealed, except that the, she is going to have a full cowl and red hair. So, any thoughts on Batgirl?
1: Uh, you know, so, so, so here's here, here's the thing about this one. Once again, I think we have to be careful so we don't get the Black Adam Venom effect. You're you're spinning off a character from from whom? is my question like who's who's Batman that this Batgirl is interacting with that she's spinning off from is it is it Affleck's Batman is he going to reprise the role in a cameo is it you know Michael Keaton's Batman popping up like you know I'm all for a Batgirl movie I'm all for a Nightwing movie I'm all for that but you have to define um who they're spinning off from and you know all of that 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 entails. I mean, if you're saying that this Batgirl exists in a world of, you know, Affleck's Batman, that sets a certain tone. If you say that this Batgirl exists in a Michael Keaton Batman world, that sets a certain tone. Um right now, it feels like they're just going to go off and do their own thing and, and completely divorce Batgirl from Batman and I'm not I'm not sure that that is the best way to go. I mean, how do you tell the story of Batgirl without the inspiration for her Batman? How do you tell a Nightwing story without explaining his time as Robin with, you guessed it, Batman? Um, you know, Batman is really an overexposed character in the media, um, and I'm not really advocating. I need more Batman or something, but I do think we have to draw clear defining lines for these characters uh, of what version of Batman they relate to.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's just, there's so much about the DCEU that I know that they don't want to copy and paste what the MCU has done, but I think it's a bit of an overcorrection that we're just like, ah, this is a popular character and we don't need to worry about laying the foundation. and, And I think that's a huge misstep.
1: I totally agree. A little bit of world building goes a long way.
0: All right, next up is a show that I have a complicated relationship with. I really want to love it. Um, specifically for Anna Diop, Starfire, who all the clips of I'm just completely enraptured with. Um, But I just can't seem to get through the drudgery of the grit for grit's sake. But Titans is getting its fourth season. Uh, Are are you watching Titans, Dave?
1: I am not. I gave it the first season and I gave up. Um, And it is exactly as you said. This seems to be... um, the less handsome, less well articulate cousin of Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's gritty, it's dark, it's muted colors, which is like really weird. Um they they really lean heavily into Nightwing's Um, connection to Batman and so all the Titan stories are suddenly like related now to Batman I think the last season was exclusively in Gotham City and they were all hanging out in Wayne Manor in every episode and that's not the Titans in any way shape or form Um, you know the bright colorful costumes and all that all of that has gone out of the window for this show and that grit that grit is just not for me so I'm I'm waiting for a a better interpretation uh, of Titans to come along
0: yeah um Everybody knows that grits require cheese and or sugar. So just plain grits is disgusting. All right. um, Next up, we are back at the top of the roller coaster, Dave, with an absolutely perfect, flawless, impeccable show, Harley Quinn, and a sneak peek at season three
1: yeah just just give me more like i love this show i think it's hilarious it's a very weird interpretation of some of the characters i love their take on commissioner gordon cracks me up in every way shape or form and i will also go ahead and plug real quick that if you if you're having some harley quinn withdrawals right now to just read the uh comic book series that is taking place between season two and three the eat bang kill tour is uh Absolutely fantastic, really, really enjoyable and had just a great cameo by Hush, by the way, <laughs> which, which was absolutely uproariously hilarious. So if you're not reading the Eat, Bang, Kill, if you're not eating, if you're not reading the Eat, Bang, Kill <laughs> tour, you need to start now. It is very, very good.
0: Oh, the ways in which I love this show. My favorite clip ever is in the first season when she's uh, asking what she wants when they're ordering Thai food. That whole clip is just perfection. Go search like on YouTube for the ordering Thai food, Harley Quinn, because it's the most accurate thing, if, especially if you've ever been in a long term relationship. And it's like the whole what do you want to eat thing? Uh, it's so perfect. And Lake Bell as as Poison Ivy is one of my favorite things ever. And my personal favorite character uh interpretation is Clayface. I love the Thespian Clayface. It is my fave.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm there for it, man.
0: Alright, one that I'm super psyched for is uh Batman Caped Crusader. Like uh Bruce Tim is back jj abrams okay i guess he's there matt reeves um (laughs) why is jj abrams in every freaking thing Um,
1: can we get can we get lens flares in a batman animated series (laughs) i'm just not sure that's gonna work man how
0: does that work in noir um but i am nonetheless excited about this all new animated series tape
1: you know, there's so little known about it. Like, yeah. okay, so you have Matt Reeves involved, but we've not seen his take on Batman yet on the big screen. You have J.J. Abrams. He just has his fingers on everything, so that doesn't really tell us much. You have Bruce Tim, who is an absolute legend uh, due to his work on the original Batman the Animated Series, which was so good. Um, but yeah, I mean, what what is there to say about this other than the ears look really weird? Uh, on, on the suit from the promo image I know this harkens back more to like his 1930s uh, and 40s design um, so okay we I can accept like oddly shaped ears no problem but there's so little known about this take on, on you know Batman uh, they very specifically say that it is reimagining the Batman mythology and that it's set in a timeless world that harkens to the 1940s now I do feel that Batman the Animated Series did that to some extent. Um, a lot of their designs sort of were 40s-inspired, right down to people wearing like fedoras and stuff sometimes. So I'm, I'm all for trying to create sort of a, a timeless noir sensibility but there's just too little known about this for me to get particularly excited, especially considering we're getting like 40 different Batman takes at any given time. (laughs) It's really going to have to do something to set itself apart because, you know, Batman's just everywhere.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely. And that's uh, the, the detective noir thing is based in the character that, that is my favorite aspect of the character. So seeing that return to roots is, is another thing that I'm excited for with the, the Pattinson Batman film. Um, so I, I am excited. I just, I know nothing. Like we're barely getting crumbs at all.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's going to be a while until we get more, I think.
0: All right. Uh, next up is a very popular show that my friends have uh, bullied and peer pressured me into finally starting. Uh, but I'm a ways back. I'm still in season one. Young Justice Phantoms. Uh, was a given a first look trailer and a surprise announcement that on that day the first two episodes of the season were streaming on hbo max are you a young justice fan dave
1: i am actually i think it's the second best iteration of the dc universe you know besides the comics uh as far as adaptations go right after uh, the the whole, you know, DC animated universe situation, you know, uh, Batman, the animated series, Superman, the animated series, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, that sort of world that they built. I think this is probably the second best take as far as adaptations of the DC universe goes. Um, and I'm really just I'm thrilled that they made a comeback. I mean, they had two seasons, then they were gone for a long time, then they got, you know, a third season, which was quite good, had some problems, which, you know, you know, which stories don't these days. So them doing another one, uh, I'm all here for it. I'm definitely going to be watching this. I do really um, enjoy the series.
0: All right. Next up is a director that I'm a huge fan of and still crushed that they canceled her new gods. Ava DuVernay and Robert Patino were talking about their upcoming um, limited series on HBO max DMZ. Uh, This is, adaptation of the acclaimed vertigo series by brian wood and ricardo Buccielli. any thoughts on this one dave
1: you know what you had to bring this up this is, to my great shame of all my love for vertigo i've actually not read dmc it, it is a book that keeps eluding me you know i, I kind of tell myself i'm going to read it and then i don't And so I really need to pick that up and finally read it. I feel like that's one of my vertical blind spots. So I really don't have much to say about this other than it's cool that Rosario Dawson is in in it because I'm a huge fan of hers. I don't think she can do anything wrong, frankly, as far as acting goes. Um, It's interesting to me that Rosario Dawson is playing a new character that is only loosely inspired by one of the characters in the original series. That means that we're looking at probably not so much an adaptation as a reinterpretation. So uh, we'll see how that goes.
0: All right. And then Ava DuVernay has another hit series coming up, Um, Naomi. And we got our first look at that. This character um, is based on the best-selling comic book created by Brian Michael Bendis, David F. Walker, and Jamal Campbell. And the first look, unfortunately, had her succumbing to Jean Grey syndrome.
1: Oh great! That's all we needed. Well, look, you know, i have i have, a com- I have complex feelings about Naomi right now. On the one hand, uh, the original uh, series introducing her was very good. On the other hand, it's Brian Michael Bendis, so you know th- th- that comes with a certain amount of luggage. Um,
0: Do the other more thing, powers uh, yet?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of. In, in the comic books, it's kind of complex because they keep playing around with it. She's from another universe, and so her powers are kind of ill-defined. I mean, she flies, and she's pretty strong. But other than that, we don't really get a good sense. I mean, Bendis started including her in his run on Justice League, but I, I'll freely admit I've kind of fallen behind on that. And it did feel a little... Um, odd and out of place for a brand new character to just kind of be shoehorned into the Justice League book like that, which is usually all the big guns. Uh, Considering especially that she's a young hero, it would have been fun to see her in something like Teen Titans first or something. Um, But uh, the character overall is, is very interesting and having somebody of DuVernay's statue behind this and kind of steering it, I'm very interested to see where the series goes.
0: All right, next up, one of our favorite um, underrated films of the DCEU, Shazam. We got our first look at the sequel, not a whole lot, just behind the scenes stuff. But I'm excited that they're diving into the mythology and uh, just being reminded that Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu are going to be playing the villains in this. Um, Does not come out till 2023, but any kind of thoughts on this one, Dave?
1: Well, you know, considering The Sucker doesn't come out till 2023, I think we're just going to have to kick back and wait, and we're going to be in it for the long haul. I think we're probably going to see significantly more about this movie in next year's DC fandom. So I'm just going to stay cautiously optimistic because I like the first one so much and take a wait-and-see approach.
0: All right, the next one was an extensive conversation between the original excuse me, the original Wonder Woman, Linda Carter, and Patty Jenkins in celebration of the 80th anniversary, um, where they talked a lot about the influence of the character, what she means to so many people, and um, introduced the hashtag Wonder Woman Spin Challenge. Dave, did you partake in that?
1: I'm not much into the spin thing, but I will say, just as a general thing, that I don't think DC is doing enough to celebrate the 80th anniversary of Wonder Woman um i think that uh we saw much more significant celebrations uh for you know batman and superman when they hit that milestone and i'm i'm a little disappointed that uh dc is not doing more to celebrate wonder woman there's an 80th anniversary special a 100 page special coming out and that seems to be about it and and that's hugely regrettable in my book
0: all right probably the thing on that same Uh, area of the DC universe that I'm most excited about, Dave, um, that features all of the Amazons, Trial of the Amazons, the first Wonder Woman crossover uh, in several years. Um, And it involves everybody that is in the Wonder universe. So Yara Floor, um, Nubia, who has her new fantastic series by friend of the show, Stephanie Williams and Vida Ayala. um, And of course, Diana herself. This is a power struggle that will redefine the future of all the Amazonian tribes. So writers on the event are going to include Becky Cloonan and Michael Conrad, who are writing the current Diana series. Vida Ayala and Stephanie Williams, who are of course writing the Nubia series, Joelle Jones and Jordi Belair, who are on the Wonder Girl series with Yara the action kicks off uh, in the first issue of Noob the Amazons, which went on sale October 19th and is my nerd commendation of all nerd commendations. Go read that book. And then um, National Wonder Woman Day, which we just celebrated uh, on October the 21st. So I'm super excited about this one. And this will be probably my first big DC crossover that I'm reading live, Dave. I'm, I'm, I'm really I'm not jumping ship. I'm taking the ferry, but I'm very excited about this.
1: I'm just telling you, as long as it's better than attack uh, Amazon's Attack, I'm going to be happy. What an, atro- <laughs> a what an atrocious bar. book that was. Oh, my God. So I'm just going to help you out a little bit here, because the next two things that they talked about was uh, Sweet Tooth and Pennyworth, two shows that I have not watched and have no comment on. Have you watched either of those shows?
0: Nope, but I've heard good things about Sweet Tooth, so I might check that one out. But Pennyworth, I mean, like, do we really need that story?
1: no i don't think so but maybe i'm wrong it's a fantastic show um but i think it's time to skip to the highlight of this whole thing and just talk oh, about how yeah. they wrap this sucker up so what have you got chris
0: i mean um zoe kravitz and it's her world and we're just living in it
1: that's about right that's actually all. so now we're done okay so that's the bye word for this week thanks a lot for tuning in <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, go ahead, Dave. Give us your thoughts on the second Batman, the Batman trailer.
1: Well, I know. I'm I'm glad we have that definite article to differentiate it from all the other Batman movies. Um, this one looked really, really good. Like it, it looks so different visually from other interpretations of Batman. Um, so I'm really, really excited for it. I'm still not hundred percent sold on Robert Pattinson, Pattinson as Batman. Um I really want to see more of his performance. There isn't a whole lot in the trailer, but I will say I am totally sold as you are on Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman. Uh every shot in the trailer, she just embodies that character perfectly. Um, I showed the trailer to my wife, and she took one look at Zoe Kravitz and said, Oh, that's Catwoman, isn't it? I mean, it's just it's such a perfect uh performance i think from what we've seen from the trailer and i can't wait to see more of it i love the tone of of the movie so far from what we've seen i like the look the way they've put it together visually i think there's really really something here and i i just i want to watch this thing already i'm just ready to really dive in because all these teases they just they're like They're not enough to really judge the thing. And I don't feel like, you know, being one of those trailer dissection guys that sits there and talks an hour about a two-minute trailer. There's just not enough here to really, you know, create a full image of what this movie is. But there's definitely something here that is unique, that's different. And and I'm here for it. I want to see more.
0: Yeah, I think between, between these two trailers, which... Like it's it's really fascinating how they combine different elements in each trailer. Um I can't I can't think of two trailers for a film that I've been more hyped for that have sold me so much. Like I, I'm super excited about this. Thankfully March is right around the corner, will blink and will be there. But I'm I'm super excited for this one. Um, just the detest the detective aspects, like I referenced before, of going back to those roots and just a distinctly unique take on the character. I'm pretty sold on on R Pat's. Um, so maybe we'll get Kristen Stewart as the Joker, uh, one of your personal faves, Dave. Um, but uh, yeah, that would be I, an um...
1: open mouth smile at all times.
0: <laughs> I'm super excited about this one. I also love this poster and um, the red and the black one giving real Batman Beyond vibes here. Um, so I'm just intrigued how they're sticking to the roots but in some ways making it their own because how many freaking batman stories have we had and yet the ability to tell something that's unique and different and stands out that leads i think into so much anticipation for this because we should be having batman fatigue at this point but like this was far and away the most anticipated thing to come out of the entire event
1: absolutely and they knew what they had because they saved until the end (laughs)
0: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, all right. That is the ByWord Big Talk for this week. What are your thoughts on DC Fandom? You know, it's been a couple of weeks, so you've had time to sit and stew. Um, be sure to hit us up on social media with your thoughts as well. Uh, but when we come back, we are finally saying goodbye to the nerd nightmare with The Shining. Sup up, everyone?
1: Brian here, host of TV Trivia Pod, the podcast about TV trivia. Tune in and answer questions from your favorite shows like The Office. For example, what's the name of Jan's Candle Company? What are the three themed rooms at Dwight's Bed and Breakfast? And what does Kevin say is the trick in making his famous chili? I'll be finishing The Office soon and moving on to Harry Potter and Marvel trivia after that. So check out TV Trivia Pod. Play along and listen to anywhere you get podcasts. And as always, stay tuned for more trivia.
0: All right, Dave, Nerd Nightmare, time to switch the uh, the chairs and the turntables here. So let me have it.
1: Yeah, so by fan vote on social media, we are discussing this week our final nerd nightmare of the year, The Shining, a 1980 psychological horror film produced and directed by Stanley Kubrick. The film, of course, is based on Stephen King's 1977 novel of the same name. The uh, movie stars notably, of course, Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, Scatman Crothers, and Danny Lloyd. Uh, The movie tells the story of Jack Torrance, an aspiring writer and recovering alcoholic. He accepts a position as the off-season caretaker of the Overlook Hotel in the Colorado Rockies with his wife Wendy and his son Danny. Um, And of course, things go horribly wrong because really two reasons. A, Danny is gifted with something called The Shining, a psychic ability that allows him to see the uh, hauntings of this hotel and its horrific past. And then there's a winter storm and they get cut off from the outside world. And Jack slowly loses his mind uh, as the hotel's ghosts sort of start getting to him. Now, I want to go ahead and say up front before I get your reaction that I have decidedly mixed feelings on this movie. Uh, On the one hand, I love the performances and I love the direction and it's very, very well made. On the other hand, I'm a huge Stephen King head and some of the deviations that this movie took from the book I think did a poor job of serving um, the story that King told. So that being said, Chris, thoughts on The Shining.
0: Uh, First and foremost, this movie has not aged well. Um, The blatant use of the N-word was deeply disturbing and uncomfortable. Um, And then the only black character in the film, I'm sorry, one of two black characters in the film, the only primary character is immediately killed. So that is very, very traumatizing and disturbing. So that did not age well. Um, Aside from that, this was not scary at all um it was it's a part part of that i think is probably the slow burn of it all so it was this gradual descent into madness um jack nicholson plays and to a great degree i mean like we've seen him in so many different iterations like that's 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 something he does quite well um we're looking at you as good as it gets or um terms of endearment so this is this is his niche um it it is also a little bit uncomfortable to see like the domestic violence aspect of it all um you know granted this movie was made you know 41 years ago but that that part is uncomfortable but i mean it is a horror movie um really made me miss my big wheel man i used to cruise up and down the sidewalk in that big wheel um the camera work in this film though is impeccable just the the wide pan shots of people coming around corners um particularly those scenes with the big wheel um at the ground level where you see danny's point of view perspective was super fascinating and just as like from an artistic point of view was fascinating um Also made me not miss, um, you know, the Minnesota, South Dakota winters, because that made me feel right at home and not in a good way. Um, But yeah, so I wasn't terribly scared of this. Um, I did like the 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 psychological aspects of it, the end reveal of him possibly being the spirit that has been in the hotel since the 20s was really cool. Um, but there were several cringe moments that made me distinctly uncomfortable and that wasn't, you know, the horror aspects of it, but, uh, it was an enjoyable experience, uh, overall. And I'm looking forward to watching Dr. Sleep.
1: Yeah. So first of all, uh, you know, kudos as always to Stanley Kubrick who made an impeccably beautiful movie. Um, I do think that the writing, um, which was, I think, uh, the script was co-written by uh, Diane Johnson. I think the writing is where the sucker falls apart, and a little bit in the casting. I mean, Jack Nicholson is fantastic. However, um, Jack Torrance is, in a lot of ways, Stephen King. I mean, there's a a huge chunk of Stephen King in the Torrance character. King himself notably uh, struggled with alcoholism. And so The Shining, in a lot of ways, is a meditation on the effects of alcohol. And so you know Jack Torrance, as you noted, is kind of a a, a jerk to begin with, and There's there is no really redeeming
0: quality. There is nothing redeeming yes. about this character. Yes, so I think that there... I think that was like something that was lost in in translation. Of the descent, really didn't catch me as much because he was a jerk to begin with.
1: That's exactly right, because you know Jack Nicholson appears crazy from the word go. in in this movie and the the there is a gradual descent into madness in stephen king's book that is much more much more pronounced there's also some significant differences uh one of your complaints uh kind of get fixed there uh in that uh scatman crothers character uh dick holleran actually uh survives uh, into the sequel um so he pops up again in in dr sleep he he doesn't actually you know die. And uh, then the ending, of course, of Jack Nicholson's character is actually a story of redemption where, you know, he actually uh, stays behind, you know, when the, uh, you know, makes sure that the boiler explodes and takes out the, takes out the hotel and destroys everything, you know, Um, that, that was really the ending uh, that Stephen King envisioned is that, that, that moment of rejection of alcohol, basically the, the, the moment of redemption. And that is completely, lost in this as well. So, um, I will always prefer, I think the, the novel over this interpretation of the movie for those reasons, but I can fully admit that the the technical skill put uh, into this movie, I mean, Kubrick's direction is flawless in this, even though he did some really horrific things behind the scenes from what I've read, uh, particularly to Shelley Duvall to get that performance out of her. Um, that that's pretty objectionable. Um, but just a technical like you said, the camera work and stuff, the technical aspect aspect of the movie is pretty flawless. But I do think some stuff was lost in translation that was essential to telling a complete story.
0: Yeah, and I think um if for no if for nothing else, like the the influence that this film has on pop culture. I mean, like so many of the the hallmark scenes I already knew about simply because they're that iconic. So and and a lot of uh, a lot of gifts are explained. Uh you know based on this film too.
1: Dude the carpet alone in the hallway of that hotel is iconic as crazy as that is.
0: <laughs> All right, that wraps up uh our final nerd nightmare of 2021. Um so we'll see you back in October and nerd commendations will return next week. Uh we thank you for joining us for another episode of the Nerd Byword podcast. And if you like what you hear, be sure to uh, like and subscribe. Give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the TuneIn Radio app, or nerdbyword.com.
1: And, of course, find us on social media. We love to interact with our listeners. You can find our podcast account at nerdbyword on Twitter and Instagram. And we are there individually as well at thatnerdchris and at that Nerd Dave.
0: And as always, stay well and stay nerdy.
1: The Nerd Byword is written and produced by Chris and Dave, two nerds with a love of all things pop culture. The podcast features music by Al Jimenez, with additional drops composed by Joe Biondi. Our show art is by Ashery Design. Find us at nerdbyword.com and wherever podcasts are available.